So if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a new series. And the reality of this series is that it excites some people. It scares a lot of people. And it leaves a whole lot of people skeptical. So what we're going to talk about is spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about the reality of angels and demons and Satan and where they came from and the reality that we live in a world that is at war. And I don't know what you believe about all that stuff. Some people believe in that stuff like way too much. And they think Satan is hiding around every corner, ready to jump on everybody. And if somebody does something weird, they may say, oh, you got a demon in you or something like that. Other people don't believe in that stuff at all. Some people say, you know what, like that's just made up Halloween stuff. And it probably came from religious leaders who were just trying to keep people in line, keep people scared so they would follow the rules. But here's kind of an interesting thing. Jesus believed in Satan and demons, and spiritual warfare. And we'll actually see in this series that Jesus is going to engage spiritual warfare with Satan. And I hope you'll definitely be here for that message. It's a powerful message as we watch Jesus do what only Jesus can do. But he models for us what we should do. And we're going to find out today and in this series why it's so important for us to have accurate information when it comes to spiritual warfare, because there is so much bad information out there and it affects how we live. So we need to have accurate information. And as we begin, let me just tell you a couple of things. Number one, we're going to cover a lot of information, not only today, but in this series. And you might feel like I've opened the fire hose on you and you're trying to take a sip from it. Okay. So just preparing you that we got a lot of information. So what will help you is to take some notes. So if you take notes, you know, paper, pen, or on your phone, or whatever, whatever context that, that might be beneficial for you to absorb what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to give you a framework today to work from, of, uh, an initial framework that helps us understand who Satan is, who the demons are, uh, who God is, who God really is, and the power that he has, and the power that he makes available to us. So again, we're going to cover a lot of information. Another thing uh, is a follow-up to what Matt said in the, at the end of our worship this morning is that the content of what we're going to talk about today, there are parts of it that aren't all that appropriate for younger ears. So if you've got a, a younger child next to you, it may be more appropriate for them to be in our children's ministry uh, this morning than out here. But I'll let you decide that for your family. So today we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 3 and 4 is where we're going to begin, and we're going to start with the New International Version. So listen to how that uh, translates these, these two verses. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So those two verses tell us several different things. Number one, it tells us that even though we live in a physical world that we can touch and feel and see, you know, we can experience that. We all know what that's like. There is another world out there that's just as real as the physical world, and it is the spiritual world. And this is where some people start going like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, like, isn't that just made up stuff? Because if I can't see it, I'm not sure that I can believe in it. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says about that, believing in something that possibly you can't see. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, 
He says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we now see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So Paul's talking about the spiritual world there. And he's talking about the reality that is going to be something that we'll all experience when we cross from this life into the next, all of us, whether you believe in this stuff or not, we'll see the spiritual world and we'll fully engage it and we'll fully believe in it for all of eternity. Now, there's an amazing Old Testament story that talks about seeing the unseen world. And it's a story about a prophet by the name of Elisha and then his assistant. And Elisha was a prophet for the people known as the people of Israel And they had some enemies at that time, and their enemies were the Arameans. And uh, the Aramean king was always trying to to pull off something militarily against uh, the people of Israel. And yet God would inform Elisha of what was happening, so he was always able to thwart what was happening from their enemies. And that frustrated the enemy king. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6... Verse 14, it says, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And that was where Elisha was at that time. They wanted to capture him so they couldn't be working against his military plans. And verse 15 says, when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha's assistant, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, if you were Elisha's assistant, what would you be thinking in that moment? You've lost your mind. Like, there's two of us. I'm not great with math, but there's two of us and there's hundreds of them out there. Like, this doesn't look good. Elisha, what are you talking about? In verse 17, Elisha prayed. He said, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. There were actually angels that were there to protect Elisha in that moment. And Elisha's assistant couldn't see it until his eyes were opened. And that's the reality that all of us are in. We all need our eyes open to the reality that there is a spiritual world out there and it's just as real as the physical world that we experience every day. Now, I probably should say it this way, um, that we need our minds open to that reality, probably a little bit more than our eyes open to that reality because the Bible teaches that anytime an angel revealed themselves to a human, they were petrified. And so I think if our eyes were open to all the spiritual battle that's going on right now, we would all be scared to death and hiding at home under our beds. And so maybe it's better for our minds to be open to the reality of that with a little bit of our eyes closed to seeing some of that on a regular basis. Now, another thing that 2 Corinthians 10 tells us is that the spiritual world is engulfed in a battle and we are all a part of that battle. So Paul says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So we don't use guns and bombs. We use a different kind of weapons, but uh, we'll talk about that later in this series. But the reality is every day we wake up in a world that's at war. Every day, 
whether you believe in this or not, you wake up into a, a world that's in a battle, and it's a battle between good versus evil and right versus wrong and truth versus lies and life versus death. And all of us have a common enemy. That enemy is known as Satan, and you may have heard of him before, but I bet you have some bad information about him. So Satan didn't start as Satan. Satan started as a, a being called Lucifer. The Bible actually describes three names of angels. Uh, it tells us these angels are the archangels, most powerful angels. So the first angel we have is Michael, and he is known as the most powerful angel. And then we have Gabriel. He is known as the angel who typically delivers messages on God's behalf. And then we have Lucifer, who is known as the angel of light or the bright morning star. And listen to what Isaiah the prophet said about Lucifer. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, he said, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. He's referring to Lucifer. You've been thrown down to the earth, you who destroy the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Then Isaiah said in verse 15, he said, instead, you'll be brought down to the place of the dead, down to the lowest depths. And Lucifer wasn't happy with his position. He wasn't happy with the power that he had been given. He wanted more. And he didn't want to just be like God. He wanted to be God. And I think this is where we all can identify with Satan a little bit because there are moments for all of us where we don't want God to be God in our lives. We would rather be God. In our lives. And there are, little, there are moments where we shake our little fist at God and we tell him, leave me alone. I don't want you being my boss. I'll do it my own way. Anybody besides me willing to admit that possibly you do that? Like, okay, good. A few more hands went up than what I thought. So we all have that problem. We all in moments have that struggle where we say, God, I'm not doing it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And in that moment, we want to be God instead of letting God be God in our own lives. Then Lucifer convinced a third of the angels of heaven to join him in rebellion against God. So listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. This is the apostle John speaking, and he's speaking about a vision that he has. And so he's talking about this vision. He's going to talk about some things that we'll say, like, what's that mean? Well, it's symbolic for something real, like a physical thing. So he says in verse three, he says, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon, again, something symbolic, with seven heads and 10 horns with seven crowns on his head and his tail swept one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. And we'll jump down to verse seven that says, then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all of his angels. So again, Lucifer didn't like his position, so he rebelled against God, convinced a third of the angels to follow him in that rebellion. And because of that, Satan or Lucifer got a demotion 
And he got a name change. His name went from Lucifer to Satan, which means adversary. And the angels that followed him went from angels to fallen angels, or also known as demons. So that's where they come from. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this about Satan and his demons. Verse 10, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I think that's something we all need to remember on a regular basis. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So again, there is a real spiritual world out there, and that world is engaged in a spiritual battle. We are a part of it, whether you believe in that stuff or not, and we all have a common enemy. His name is Satan, and he has demons that follow him. Now, Satan isn't running around in a red Halloween costume, trying to poke people with his pitchfork, okay? So Satan's plan in, in life, his strategy in life is not to, you know, inconvenience our lives just a little bit, make life a little bit harder. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, when you go into work and make your coffee next, you know, you make you put in the wrong creamer so that you're just frustrated all day, you know, just, man, Satan got me again. That is not his strategy. His strategy is much more sinister than that. So The Apostle Peter warns us about what Satan wants to do to all of us. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's a real enemy. He doesn't want to play with you like a cat toy. He really wants to devour you. Now, on a quick side note, I think that because Satan is described as a large cat, we should be leery of all cats, (laughs) even house cats. I'm just saying, you know, like I, I see cats and I think Satan was one of them. That's scary. Could be evil. I'm just, if you have a house cat, just keep your eye on them. You know, you never know. They might turn on you. Thanks for laughing. It was just a joke. Please don't send me any, you know, nasty emails about, you know, my bad theology on cats. I know God created them as well. All right, so Satan does all kinds of things in his attempt to devour us. He accuses us. He tries to deceive us. He tempts us. He discourages us. He tries to defeat us. And then Jesus gives clarity. Again, Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus engaged a spiritual battle with him. And Jesus gives us clarity on our enemy. He says in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief's purpose, referring to Satan, is to what? Steal and kill and destroy. So Satan first wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal anything and everything from you so that you can't live the life that God has designed you to live. And he's such an effective thief. There are so many people who don't live the life God wants them to live because they've allowed Satan to steal something. So in addition to stealing, Satan also wants to kill you and to destroy you. And I'm thinking if you're killed, you're pretty much destroyed. Um, But we need to know that those two terms there have slightly different meanings. So I don't mean to alarm anybody. 
I don't mean to be overdramatic, but the reality is Satan wants you dead. If you're a Christ follower, he wants you dead because then you can't interfere with the work that he's trying to do in keeping other people from becoming Christ followers. If you are not a Christ follower, he wants you dead because then you can't become a Christ follower and interfere with the work that he's trying to do to keep other people from becoming Christ followers. So either way, Satan wants you dead. Aren't you so glad you came to church for that encouraging word this morning, you know? You got up early this morning and thought, I got an extra hour of sleep. I'm going to go be encouraged at church. And then you find out Satan wants to kill you. But he does. It's the truth. He also wants to destroy you. So if he can't kill you, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy the work that God's trying to do in you. He wants to destroy the work that you're trying to do on God's behalf. He wants to destroy the influence that you can have on other people. He wants to literally destroy you. And Paul talks about that. And again, he engaged Satan as well in some spiritual battles. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes to a group of Christians in a, a church in Thessalonica. And he says basically this, like, hey, I wanted to come see you, but I couldn't because I was prevented. So listen to how he describes this. In verse 17, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back uh, because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Satan literally fought against Paul to destroy the work that he was trying to do with the, that group of people. So Satan would love to destroy anything that God is trying to do in you or through you. And if you've ever thought, like, why is this Christian life so hard sometimes? Anybody ever thought that? It's because you have a real enemy. And your real enemy wants to steal from you, wants to kill you, and wants to destroy you. And we've got some very encouraging news coming in a minute but first, we still have some bad news. The word destroy there carries with it eternal implications. So it, it means that Satan also wants to take people with him to hell. Here's what we need to understand, though, because there's a lot of bad information out there about Satan and hell. So there's people that think that hell must be Satan's kingdom that he rules from. Not so. Hell was created as a punishment for Satan for rebelling against God, and Satan will one day be cast there. Uh, demons will one day be cast there, as well as anybody who says, I don't need Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross for me, I can do it all by myself, will one day be sent there. God did not create hell for humans. He didn't want any human to go there, but people can choose to go there by rejecting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And Satan knows that. And he wants to take as many people with him as possible to his punishment that will be an eternal punishment. So if you aren't a Christ follower, Satan will do anything and everything to keep you that way. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And if you are not a Christ follower, Satan wants to blind your mind, blind your eyes. He does not want you to see the light of Jesus. And he will do that in several different ways. Number one... He will do that by causing you to doubt what Jesus has done for you, causing you to doubt who Jesus really is. 
He might even try to cause you to doubt in himself. He doesn't care if you believe in him or not. Actually, it probably works better if you don't believe in him because you can't see the work that he's trying to do against you. He'll also put around you hypocritical Christians that will cause you to look at them and say, well, I don't want to be anything like you and will keep you from getting to know the God who doesn't want us living the way that those people are living. Satan will do anything and everything to keep you in spiritual darkness. But here's some amazing truth. The light of Jesus is brighter than any darkness that Satan can cast on anyone. The light of Jesus is brighter than any darkness that Satan can cast on anyone. So listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world, and if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to what? Life. And Jesus was talking about life for today and life for all of eternity. So Jesus can open the eyes of anybody who's been blinded by Satan. And that is some good news that we need to hold on to as well as here's some other good news about fighting the enemy. We are not alone in our battle against him. You are not alone. The same truth that Elisha told his assistant applies to us. He said, there are more on our side than there are on theirs. So we all have a heavenly father who loves us dearly. We have a savior who died so that we can have a relationship with him. We have a Holy Spirit who will empower us the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He will take up residence inside of us to help us live the life that God wants us to live. And we have two thirds of the angels of heaven fighting for us. We have more than enough resources to fight against the enemy and to come out of spiritual darkness and stand firm in the truth of God. 1 John 4, 4 says this amazing truth. It says, he who is in you, and he's speaking to those who are Christ followers. So if you're a Christ follower, this truth applies to you. If one day you become a Christ follower, this truth will apply to you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that means Jesus is greater than Satan. Jesus is greater than sin. Jesus is greater than disease. Jesus is greater than financial struggles or relational conflict. Jesus is greater than anything that Satan can use to tempt you away from God. Jesus is greater than murder. Jesus is greater than terrorism. And aren't we so glad Jesus is greater than politics? Jesus is greater. And that's something I think we all need to hold on to. It's super important for us to understand that because there's some really bad information out there on Jesus and who he is and, and where he kind of fits in the spectrum of life. So there are some who believe there's God the Father and then there's Jesus and then there's Satan who's kind of like his evil half-brother and they're constantly at war with each other. They're equally powerful. That is not true. That's not true. The Bible describes two types of beings in the universe. There are divine beings and created beings. Divine beings are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Created beings are angels, humans, and animals. So Jesus is greater because he's a divine being. He created Lucifer, who chose to become Satan, Jesus, again, is greater. He's not Satan's equal. He's not. And you need to hold on to that truth and remember that truth in those moments where we're thinking, you know, Satan, he's powerful. Yes, he's powerful. But we need to refocus on the reality that God is more powerful. 
because he created Satan. And we can be on God's side. If you're a Christ follower, you are on God's side. If you become a Christ follower, you will also be on God's side one day. Another encouraging thing we need to remember is that Satan is a defeated enemy. He's defeated. Get this. This is a spoiler alert. I'm sorry. If you don't want to hear the end of the story, plug your ears. But for everybody else, I've read the end of the story, and God wins. Like, it's really cool. God wins. He wins over sin. He wins over disease. He wins over death. He wins over the curse that we allowed to come into the world. God wins. And if you are on God's side, you win as well. You win as well. Satan is a defeated foe. So we need to remember this. As we engage these small skirmishes with the enemy, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. That's a different place. We don't fight against him to try to get victory one day. We fight against him because we are already coming from victory. We are already experiencing victory because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection. If it stopped at the the cross, we're in trouble. But because of the resurrection, we can have victory in Christ. So we fight from, not for, when it comes to victory. So because of that, we should always respect Satan, but we should not fear him because he's a defeated foe. All right, here's some more encouraging information. Not only is God with us, not only is, is God greater, but he's given us spiritual weapons to use. And these are powerful weapons that God has given us to fight this spiritual battle. Again, uh, Paul said, we don't use weapons of this world. So we got to learn what these weapons are and how to use them. And to do that, you got to come back because we're going to talk about that later in this series. Okay, so hopefully you'll come back. I really hope that you'll commit to come each week in this series because I really think this series is so important, again, for all of us, whether you believe in this stuff or not. We have to have accurate information as we learn about this spiritual world that we live in and how to engage the spiritual battle. But let me tell you what we're doing next week. Uh, Next week, I have the privilege of interviewing a friend of mine from Ukraine. And here's a picture of her and her family. This is Tanya and her husband, Andre, and their two boys. And Tanya and Andre lead an organization in Ukraine, and they work with a mission organization called Serve Now. And that organization has started here in the States, but they have branches in different parts of the world. And two summers ago, a team of us had the privilege of going to Ukraine to help do a kids camp. And we got to serve about 80 some kids that were uh, refugees with the war with Russia, um, kids that were were at risk for human trafficking. And uh, we just had an amazing experience there. And Tanya and her husband do an amazing job of running those camps and all kinds of things. So they actually own a bakery that helps young women learn how to have a trade so hopefully they can be saved from a life of prostitution and hopefully never end up in human trafficking. Um, They do some other things as well that you'll get to hear about next week. And she's got an amazing story of God drawing her to himself and what God is doing in them and through them in Ukraine. So I hope you'll be here next week. You won't want to miss it. Now, as we end today, our worship team is going to come back out and they're going to sing a song for us called Fighting for Us. And it's about the reality that God is fighting for us. And as we sing that together, I I, I want to encourage some of you to just focus on the reality of God fighting for us because some of you might be in the spot where you're recognizing today that you are in a spiritual battle. 
And maybe you didn't put your finger on it before. Maybe you're going through something right now that just feels so overwhelming. And maybe today we've given you some language or or just a reality for you to open your eyes and see that maybe that financial issue you're going through, maybe that work thing that's happening, maybe that, that health issue or that relationship struggle that you're in right now, there is a spiritual battle going on around that. And maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like you can't do it anymore. And I want to remind you, with Christ you can. God is greater. He's greater than anything that can stand against you. He's with you. He's empowering you. And he's fighting for you. So if you would, stand with me. And then we're going to sing before we go. Let me pray first. God, what we've talked about today carries with it some very heavy uh, content. And what we're going to deal in this whole series is, is very heavy. And Lord, the reality is we all need this information, whether we believe in it or not. Lord, we, we need to know. We need to have accurate information when it comes to who Satan is, when it comes to the demons, when it comes to who God is, who Jesus really is, and how you equip us and empower us to, to fight against the, the enemy because we really do live in a spiritual world that's at war. And we're wrapped up in it, whether we believe in that stuff or not. So Lord, this morning, there might be some folks here today who are overwhelmed they're beaten down. They feel like they're not sure that they can make it another day or another week with whatever is going on in their world. And, and maybe this morning you've opened their minds to the reality that there's a spiritual battle going on and that they can stand firm in that battle. That we can be reminded that we're not alone, that God, you are with us, that God, that you fight for us, And you equip us to stand in this battle and you actually teach us how to engage spiritual warfare. So Lord, I just pray for those folks this morning and I pray that we would all come back and learn more of what it means to engage a spiritual battle that we're in. God, thank you for being a God who fights for us. We need that. Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.